When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Welcome to another edition of Awesome Etiquette, part of the Infinite Guest Network. I am Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning from the Emily Post Institute. On today's episode, we are really excited because we're going to try something a little bit different, and we are actually going to take some of our listener questions on air with us. Are we on air? We're on air? We're on air. I mean, I guess this is as close to on air as we get. (laughs) And we're going to be on air together. That's the point. (laughs) And we have an awesome question from Jess Walter, who is another podcaster on the Infinite Guest Network with his podcast, A Tiny Sense of Accomplishment, that he co-hosts. And today... It is fall here in Vermont, and you really you, you can't deny it. The leaves are changing all around us, and winter is coming. You can feel it in the air. There's a crispness to it, and I personally have been working on my wood pile, and there are lots of ways. Okay, nobody notice. cares about the wood pile. Do you know what is so freaking awesome? Everybody cares about, about the wood pile. Fall? Do you even know? It's football season. I've been waiting for football season since the Super Bowl. And I can't disagree with you. Football <laughs> is awesome. Dan and I are both football fanatics, and we are we are really excited. I am the less knowledgeable football fanatic, the newer but maybe fan, the more passionate, but probably the more passionate. Actually, I'm I'm really excited. I'm in the process of, of booking tickets to go to my uh, first New Orleans Saints game. That's my congratulations. Thank you very much. I'm really, really excited about it. I I just oh my gosh, I can't. I it literally am buzzing with excitement to go to this game. I started with the Steelers. I've caught some Patriots since then, but uh, um, seeing a game in person really is fun. It's an event. It and is. It's, it's, it it's is. Wor- it's worth making the effort if if you're a fan. If no you're question. A fan. Yeah, and um, you know, Dan and I talk football a lot at the office. I don't do a fantasy football team. Dan does. I'm always asking Two-time him about league champion. his. Yeah, he somehow <laughs> always manages to win. Um, but there is something that happened the other day that caused a little riff between dear Daniel and I, or me, Daniel and I, Daniel and me. Between us. Between us. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just ignore the grammar for a minute because I'm thinking of football. Anyway, I walked into the office and and this year, so I, I live in Vermont and the Saints are my team. I do not get to watch them at home on my local, local cable affiliates stations do not that carry much at all. I don't. Often. They don't get carried. It just doesn't happen. So uh, this year, I said, "All right, I'm. I, I can't afford to do like the big NFL packages and all that that would allow me to get access to every game, yep. but." I can totally do NFL Game Rewind. And just a day later, I'm going to get to watch it. And you all know what my problem is now. Because I see Lizzie, I say, can you believe what happened to the Saints yesterday? Because they lost (laughs) and I didn't know about it. And it was the second time it had been spoiled for me. And like, I'm, you know, like a little bitter. And I'm just like, man, I'm staying. I'm doing the right things. I'm staying off social media. 
I'm I'm not trying to, you know, um, I'm not trying to make it everybody else's problem that I might find out the score. But when people who know I'm a big Saints fan just tell me what happened or try to commiserate with me, I, I admit I have bad manners. And my first reaction is, dude, I didn't see it yet. And I get so <laughs> frustrated. And it's not Dan's fault. He didn't know that I hadn't yet seen the game. It's not the guy at Union Street Media's fault. He didn't know I hadn't seen the game. But it is something that I'm experiencing. That as much as I love having access to every game for the past like six years to watch, and it, it is slightly problematic that within the 24 hours between when I haven't seen the game and when it has finished – trying to dodge those scores and not hear about the big plays. It's tough. And, and I'm loving this question because it's a new technology etiquette question. It is. In, in a world of on-demand media where mm-hmm. people watch TV shows on their own schedule, they listen to radio on their own schedule. You're yep. probably listening to this podcast when it suits you and it's most convenient. Which and is what we want. <laughs> that's absolutely, and it's, and it's what media providers want. So the etiquette of the spoiler alert or checking with someone before you know if they've seen the latest episode of Game of Thrones or their favorite sports team's score from the the night before. Exactly. And I will say that of the, what are we up to? Are we in week five? This was week five that just happened? Yeah, of the five games that have played, I have one game that was unspoiled for me. And 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 that was it. And and like, I think you would agree with me, Cousin Lizzie, that there are, there's a a little bit of the burden falls on both sides of the party. No, it totally falls on me. The big spoiler alert, maybe you check, but you also, if you're someone who's, hasn't seen a big piece of event media, like a sports score, particularly for for something like football or baseball playoffs right now, that you try to warn people a little bit ahead of time. Before a word gets out of your mouth, don't tell me anything about... Do you know what's so hard, though, is that you walk in... Like, I walked into the office that morning. I didn't... My first thought wasn't, Dan's going to tell me about the Saints game. It's like, oh, hi, good morning. And then... You kicked right into it. And there's, you know, you don't want to sort of be walking around with that arm out all the time. But at the same time, you got to kind of, you know, bite your lip and say, you know what, if I'm going to be watching it 24 hours later or a week later or whatever it is, you have to be willing to just accept the fact that there's a good chance somewhere in your day you're going to encounter at least the knowledge of a win or loss. I'll tell you what we do in my fantasy league. If someone knows their, my brother was traveling last weekend and he sent a text, a preemptive text before the start of the weekend. Sunday, I'm offline. Please, no messages about the game. Nice. Uh, And, and, uh, I certainly appreciate it because he would usually be part of a very close texting circle that would have a lot of information going back right. and forth. And so you'd want to make sure they're Sunday. in the same fantasy league. So it's it's one of those things where, you know, you're razzing people, you're jagging oh, scores, all that. Kind of, and yeah. you're bringing up another kind of fun point, which is sportsmanship etiquette. Good well, loser, good winner, the yeah. appropriate amount of braggadocio, braggadocio, bravado. You're making stuff up right now. <laughs> It's okay. Keep going. <laughs> but but, but it, a, a certain amount of good-natured trash-talking is often part yeah. of the fun around no, totally sports is. and around good competition. But having a sense of who your audience is, knowing when to dial it back, when to not take it too far, how to enjoy it, how to take it with a grain of salt if you're on the receiving end I was gonna say, so are if all important. If you are points. on the receiving end and someone's just like too much for you, what do you say to them? You can let them know. You can say, yeah. all right, all right, I get it. That's that's enough for now. That loss was kind of tough on me. Yeah. <laughs> um, give me, give me a week to recover, man. Give me a week to recover. Absolutely. It's amazing how 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 some people like I don't I don't get depressed when the Saints lose. Sure. I want my team to win, but I also accept that my team has a tough time winning on the road. And guess what? 
We've had a lot of road games. Like, it's just kind of the way it is right now for the Saints. And I love them and I still support them through it. But I accept the fact I had... I had a guy at the golf course the other day trying to arouse me so hard on the Saints. And he was good-natured. At the very end of his very strong comments, he would, you know, he would let me know, like, I'm just toying with you. I'm just toying. I'm like, yeah, 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 I get it. Can't wait till I get a chance to toy with you, buddy. There's kind of like a time when you're like, yeah, I get, I get that you are, but I don't want, like, it's like a lot, especially like for someone you've just met. It's, it's but, funny. I think in some friendships, it's a sign of how close you are, how mean you can be, because it indicates that you must be really close to be able to take these social liberties with each other. Well, that's true. <laughs> no, and that's certainly, that's like one end of the spectrum. The other mm-hmm. end of the spectrum is if you know someone really well who it really does affect them, it really does bum them out, it gets them down. I mean, my old roommate, man, you did not want to be around when the Giants would lose. Sometimes you didn't want to be around when the Giants had won, <laughs> but it was one of those things where it was like, you just kind of knew to give yeah. give Mike a space on it. As like, silly as it is, and, and you mentioned it before, I thought it was a great point. There are very real emotions attached, very to, real attached emotions to these attached things. To football. And, and, and granted, that might be silly, but it's also true. It's part of the world we live in, and having a little sensitivity to that can go a long way. Yes. Who dat? Go Saints. Oh. <laughs> for the record, Dan's a Patriots fan. Just it's been, it's been a, a, a rocky up and down couple of weeks Dude, for It's been for interesting us. in the NFL in yeah. general. A lot of teams have gone up and down. Are there a couple front runners as there usually yeah, are? Although but... no, no team is undefeated right now. It's nope. one of the great things about the league. It's a so lot of fun, fun to watch. Anybody can win on any given Sunday. Coming at you, baby. On every episode of Awesome Etiquette, we take your questions on how to behave. So let's get to some questions. This question begins. My question is regarding accepting of gifts. I usually practice the rule that, a, that if a gift is given to me, opened, and then I say thank you verbally to the gift giver that I do not need to follow up with a written note of thanks. My children write notes for birthday party gifts, but we have not had an occasion of late to write a thank you note. Are we following politeness protocol or lacking etiquette? Yep. She's right. I mean, she she's she's following politeness protocol. Absolutely. Just because the occasion hasn't arisen to write a thank you note doesn't mean that you've done something wrong. At the same time, if you could invent an occasion to write a thank you note, that wouldn't hurt. <laughs> In fact, I think Lizzie has said that uh, you're never going to ruin a friendship by writing an extra thank you note. And right. thinking of a, a good reason to, to bring some gratitude into your life and to practice the skill and the art of writing a good thank you note um, is, is never time that's lost. So uh, if you really feel like that, that opportunity is slipping away, you might sit down with your kids and think of something that you're thankful for and practice writing a thank you note. But by no means have you uh, have you 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 missed a social obligation by not having written a thank you note. And I think the question really hinges on the appropriate thought, which is that if you've had an opportunity to thank someone for a gift in person, there isn't necessarily a social obligation to follow up with a thank you note. Awesome etiquette gets support from Storyworth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, Mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, 
we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? <laughs> StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. <laughs> After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. Story Worth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. This next question comes from Nia. I have a knit lace shawl for a shower gift for my cousin in her wedding color. How do I express that this is a keepsake and I will not be hurt if she does not wear it on her wedding day? I want to have a note on the gift and not just in the card as my family has enormous wedding showers and she may have help opening the gift. So this is a really simple thing that you can convey either in that note that you're talking about or you can simply say it to her when you give her the gift. You know, there is nothing wrong with in that moment when she opens it, even in front of everyone, if you're comfortable with it, to say, you know, I really wanted you to have this. I know it's in your wedding color, but please don't feel obligated to wear it on the day. I just know you love the color and I wanted you to enjoy this. My favorite questions have the answer embedded right in them. The, the language that you used in the question is, is perfectly acceptable. You know, I really intended this as a keepsake. I think that's a, a great thing to say, like Lizzie says, right in the moment when the gift is opened. Nia, we hope that helps and that you have a great time at the shower. This next question comes from a familiar name to us, our friend Jenna Johnson, who is a graduate of the Emily Post Etiquette Business and Children's Train the Trainer programs. And we were so excited to actually see a familiar, a familiar name pop up. Jenna, it's really nice to hear from you, Jenna. Yeah. <laughs> Jenna writes, with the guideline of not taking a half-eaten thing out of your mouth during dinner, how do you eat sushi that might be more than one bite? You have it firmly in your chopstick, poised for bites two and three. How do you do it? It's funny that this question is being asked of a couple American etiquette experts. <laughs> to, to me, it indicates um, uh, just how broad American etiquette is these days. We do live in a, a cultural... Um, melting pot <laughs> with all kinds of cultures mixing and uh, sushi is certainly no longer that that ew gross raw fish no one's tried it dish anymore in fact it's it's pretty much everywhere it's become a pretty common eat out food for a lot of America I think this Had is not for an, lunch today not an <laughs> uncommon situation <laughs> uh, 
And and I think that the answer is in the question. I think if the bite really is too big to take it all in one bite, although usually when you pick up food with chopsticks, you're trying to pick up a bite that is small enough that you're able to eat the whole thing in one bite. But if you can't do it, if the piece is cut too large for it, I think that Jenna's got it exactly right. You hold it as firmly as you can, bite off what you can, hold the rest in the chopsticks, and then finish your bite. And if you drop it? Well... Let's just modify and take a shot in the dark. I'd try to hold it over the plate so that if it fell, it didn't fall into my lap or onto the table, but like back that. onto the plate itself. And do remember that accidents happen. I mean, Emily Post always said that it doesn't matter, you know, which fork you use. It matters that you use a fork. It's, you know, chopsticks are tricky. You're going to have an accident or two every now and again. And the best thing you can do is clean up any mess as quickly and as you know, with as much humor as possible and just say, oops, pardon me. And, you know, just grab the grab the rest of that bite if you're able to secure it again. And if not, you know, you can just let it sit on the side of your plate and just, you know, take the next one and give it another go. And if you're really horrible at it, you can even ask for a fork. <laughs> and, and I'm going to turn this one back around and ask our listeners out there, if anybody out there is a real expert on sushi and the etiquette of eating sushi, I'd you love to hear You know a better way to hold it so you can eat it with a double this. bite? Like, that would be great to know. Absolutely. So, Jenna, thanks so much for that question. And we're so happy that you're listening. So our next question comes from Jess Walter, who is the co-host of A Tiny Sense of Accomplishment, which is our sibling podcast on the Infinite Guest Network. So we are very excited that he tweeted us a question. Dan, what was Jess's question? Well, Jess wanted to know, and thanks for being with us today, Jess. What do you do when your friend buys you lunch and is a worse tipper than Anton Chigurh? This is a little No Country for Old Men reference. Am I correct, (laughs) Jess? Yeah, I was just imagining, you know, the quarter on the table and life or death. Uh, but he, <laughs> it wasn't quite that bad. Nobody nobody got a uh, hole in their forehead. Oh, but, well, that's um, good. <laughs> yeah, you you finish lunch and you look over and there's a dollar fifteen sitting on the table. And, you know, do you reach in your pocket? I mean, we sort of take turns buying lunch. Uh, right. Uh, and I, I just figured, well, I'll make up for it the next time we come back to this restaurant. But it's amazing how often I find myself with those sort of tipping questions. You know, when a friend will say, how much are you leaving? And I think, isn't that kind of an inappropriate question? Shouldn't we all figure out our own tip? Isn't that between us and our soul at some point? And yet at the same time, when someone leaves a tip that's less than what you would have left, it it makes you question it. So all of a sudden, yeah, it's I, like I, I the flip side of it. And yeah. then I could see me doing the math thinking, that's 4%. Oh, gosh, that's awful. Well, and he didn't have a reason, right? It wasn't like he said, I mean, our, our advice is always that you don't you don't leave a shortchange tip if you're upset with service. But he wasn't playing that card? No, no, no. I think I, I it may have been sort of thoughtless. You know, my, my dad, for instance, comes from an era when the tip is whatever you know, change is left over. So if we have a, mm-hmm. a 239 and 7 cent uh um, $239.07 um, meal, then you can bet you're going to get a 93-cent tip out of my dad. But, wow. You know, it's it <laughs> a generation older, I think. And he, and he leaves more than that. But, it, right. but, you know, a tip is sort of what's left in your pocket. It's not, you know, my, my dad would never sit there and calculate 15 or 20%. You know, <laughs> he, um, but, he, you know, he's a blue-collar guy who grew up on a farm. But this friend, you know, I, I um, just thought, how do I chip in for the tip? But, you know... Um, you know, when we stand, do I throw another couple bucks down? Um, and instead, I killed him. No, I didn't. No, I, you're, um, you're, you're I, really dancing through the, the everything that would go through your thoughts. mind. What yeah. do I do? Right. And if I did this, that's not going to be right. That could offend them. If I don't do it, it's the, the staff. 
and right. I, I like where you started off with the, the really perceiving it as thoughtless because that's probably what it is. I also think that's generous because this definitely approaches villainous behavior. <laughs> like, and as the, a former waitress, it approaches downright. I'm just going to think you're a jerk or worse. And, and the idea that it tips up to you, that it's discretionary, is common around a, a great thought. part of the world. And it, it's up to us to disabuse people of that notion, to remind people that tipping for service in America is part of the social contract, that we do not pay servers a living wage. So it, it's it's a, it's appropriate to, to feel the pain of a tip <laughs> that really comes in under 10%. And I say 10%. We really at the Institute 15. recommend 15 to 20. But there was a time when that range was more like 10 to 20. And people like your father who come from an era where that range was a little broader. Even I, still. We yeah. like to give that latitude and, and that understanding. But when it drops below 10%, what you're really saying is, I was so displeased. I'm never returning. I'm going to break my social contract with this restaurant. And and feeling discomfort at that happening at a table that you've eaten at, I, I do think is appropriate. You are literally putting your money where your mouth should be. Absolutely. Not where your mouth is, but where it should be. And at the same time, it, it, it's hard to address it. It's hard yeah. to it's hard to address that behavior in someone else. If you do add extra tip, you're essentially making a comment on them. Um, if you yes. loop back and later and offer more, that's dishonest to the person that you were eating with in some way. And you perhaps. correct me, you decided, Jess, that you were just going to let it be and instead tip the next time you were in the restaurant, right? Yeah, we've eaten there before. And, yeah. I, and I thought this is just you know, one of those things. But um, yeah, other than maybe faking my death and disappearing, <laughs> I wasn't sure what other options I had. So yeah, I just, I just sort of let it go. Oh, I yeah. love that. Yeah, and that's sometimes you gotta bite your tongue in life. It's truthfully, I think that's the only thing you can do yeah. is that this, this wasn't your lunch. He was taking you out to lunch, correct? That's right. And so yeah. when it's when it's the other person who's paying the bill, it's. Um, sad but true, but it's kind of none of your business what they choose to leave, how they choose to operate it. Um, and the next time you can always say, hey, let me take care of it and then be the generous tipper that we are sure you are. And, and <laughs> as, as, as a sort of parting thought, I'll share a story. Um, I was recently traveling on business with Lizzie's father, Peter, <clears throat> and we encountered a situation where a group of people who were hosting us took us out to a dinner. And after the dinner, I, I had a bunch of extra money. We were in a foreign country. We were going to be returning to the States. So I had extra cash in my pocket. And the service had been absolutely incredible during this meal. They brought out cold towels that they tucked in our collars to cool us down in a hot restaurant. I mean, it was it was service above and beyond. The people we were eating with said they'd never seen anything like it in the country before. And they suspected maybe it was because they were with some Americans who were tippers. And I had the thought, oh, I'll just I'll leave the remainder of my foreign money here as an extra tip. And when Peter, Lizzie's father, saw me about to do it, he gave me a look that essentially slapped my hand away from my pocket that was a, you will not add a tip to this table. That is a comment on our hosts and the degree to which they have managed the tip. That is true. And I I sort of said something to him later and he said, absolutely not. Never. That would have been so insulting to our hosts. And here I was thinking it would be a nice gesture to the people (laughs) and I would get rid of some of this money that was going to be useless to me in a day anyway. But um, anyway, so that's my little personal story. You you always (laughs) have to think about everyone who's involved and it's it's one of those things that Dan does very well, and in his moment of generosity, you know, was you know could could have really offended a host, and it's 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 why you have to think through a situation, uh, you know, often much further, and it's 
rare that it happens to us etiquette experts, but it does on occasion. Yeah, our generosity can get the better of us. <laughs> but that, those uh, etiquette uh, rock and hard places are sort of where it gets tricky, though, you know. Because oh, you, yeah. You know, you are sort of caught between two moments of this would be wrong and this is also wrong. You know, it's where the rubber hits the road. Exactly, <laughs> man. And it's why we have a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and, and why it was great to be on it. Thanks so much. Oh, it was so great to talk to you. My and, question. I, and I hope my friend doesn't listen. <laughs> I hope so, too, right? <laughs> Well, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> this is all anonymous. No one listens but, to But this. let me get the check. <laughs> right, exactly. Just, I'm, I'm probably buying every lunch from now on. Right? <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us. And to our listeners, please go check out Jess's podcast with Sherman Alexi, A Tiny Sense of Accomplishment. It, it is really is a treat. definitely worth your time. Jess, thank you so much. Thanks, guys. That was fun. You hear that? She says you're not as rude as you used to be. What do you know? Thanks to everyone for sending in your questions. You can submit your questions at awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Today's etiquette history segment is going to be on the history of the tuxedo, which actually has some very special connections to Emily Post and one of her most favorite places in the world. And Dan knows this history really well. This is definitely one of my my favorite parts of the Emily Post story because it it connects Emily with her father, Bruce Price, who was an architect of some note. And and on a future podcast, I want to talk more about Bruce Price and some of his work. But one of his real signature projects was a place called Tuxedo Park. Tuxedo Park was developed by Pierre Lolliard, a famous tobacco baron. It was one of the first uh, residential subdevelopments outside New York City. Uh, He took a single property and built... Uh, several different cottages on it, and all of those were designed by Bruce Price, Emily's father. And as a part of his payment for doing that design, he was given a couple of the cottages on Tuxedo, and Emily grew up there. She grew up attending functions at the social club at Tuxedo Park, and it was one of her favorite places in the world. It reminded her of her father and of a very happy childhood that she spent growing up with with him uh, in the confines of Tuxedo Park. So Tuxedo Park is, and I'm, I'm giving away the story just a little bit because I usually like to ask this question as a chicken or egg question. What came first, Tuxedo Park or the Tuxedo? And I've already revealed that the Tuxedo Park really came first, but the social club at Tuxedo Park was the home of the Tuxedo and men's sartorial history, the history of men's fashion is is sort of fun to get into the details of. And the tuxedo is really the standard global formal wear of our time, and its origins are are here in America, and they, they're, they're tied to Emily's experience at Tuxedo Park. So the men at Tuxedo Park took to wearing a, a tailless dinner jacket, and there's, there's some uh, lack of certainty about exactly who was the first person to do this, but they were copying a fashion that was either popular with British royalty at the time or or maybe the naval jackets that many ship captains or naval officers would wear to formal affairs. But in informal settings, the men from Tuxedo wear a tailless jacket to dinner. Usually, dinnerware was formal attire. It was a top hat and tails. So wearing a tailless jacket was a bit of a, a, a rackish fashion choice. It, it made a statement or it expressed a certain degree of, of comfort 
certain informality around dining. When the men from Tuxedo would wear these tailless dinner jackets out in Manhattan, it was referred to as the Tuxedo jacket or the jacket that the men from Tuxedo would wear. And over time, the the, repel, the lapels rounded out and the satin stripe was added to the side of the pants. But but at first, the real hallmark of a tuxedo was that it was a tailless jacket. And it, it, it's to me sort of a, a great story of American etiquette that what is America's great contribution to global formal wear really began as an informal option to wear to dinner as, a, as an alternative to the more formal garment of, of a top hat and tails. So it speaks to the way traditions change and evolve over time. It also speaks to a, a uniquely American etiquette tradition. Uh, a sort of final little interesting point is that the word tuxedo is derived from a Native American word. The Tuxedo Park was named after an Algonquin name for the lake that Tuxedo Park was built around, Patuxedo. And uh, that got shortened and changed over time to tuxedo. And and uh, it remains an American story and a classic American story with an interesting origin. And I look forward to returning and talking more about Bruce Price, the architect of Tuxedo Park, and his special relationship with his daughter, Emily. So that's a little bit about the history of the tuxedo. You can learn more online. And we'd love to hear your thoughts at awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Miss the Saturday dance. I heard they crowded the floor. Couldn't bear it with out you I don't get around much anymore Thought I'd visit the club We like to celebrate good behavior at the Emily Post Institute, so each episode we like to do an awesome etiquette salute. Today's salute comes from Larissa, who's with us today to, to share her awesome etiquette salute. Thanks for being with us, Larissa. Yeah, thanks for having me. So what have you got for us? Well, I have an epic insurance story. Oh, oh, epic insurance stories are tough. <laughs> yeah, I um, I am a pregnant person, and this happened when I was around 28 weeks pregnant. I oh, had wow. been sick for a month, an entire month, um, and just couldn't shake it. And finally, um, it got to the point where I just was not able to breathe. Oh, my gosh. And so I went to... Um, urgent care and I had this is like a I had such a, like such a deep deep cough and you have I d- just didn't have any muscles to use to actually oh. cough and it was exhausting sure. just the whole thing was exhausting and so I finally went to um to this urgent care right before they were closing and the the doctor said look you've got to take this inhaler we don't usually give this to pregnant people but you need this and make sure when you go to the pharmacy, I'm going to give you two prescriptions. I'm going to give you the inhaler prescription, and then I'm going to give you this prescription for a plastic tube. And make sure you use it with a plastic tube because the prescription is like 50% more effective. You have to use the tube. Okay. So she like really emphasized this tube. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I will do that. I will use that tube. Um, and so she gave me the prescription. I walked out the door, and then they were closing. And then I drove to the pharmacy, and they were about to close, too. They had about 15 minutes left. And mm-hmm. I said, I'm here to pick up this prescription. Um, and he gave me the one part, the inhaler, which has the medicine part. And he said, here you go. And I said, wait, I've got to get this tube, this plastic tube. And he said, I don't have that. I don't have anything for that. And I said, no, no, no. I know you have it. She said she was sending the two prescriptions. She made a point of saying what a big deal it was to mm-hmm. use the tube. And he said, no, I don't, I don't have that. Um, I had 
a, a printout that the doctor gave me before I left that said what I was supposed to do, but it wasn't a prescription. And the guy was like, look, that's not a prescription. It's illegal. I can't give you this tube. And I'm thinking, this is a plastic tube. Seriously. Right. <laughs> like, why is it so hard to get a tube? So anyway, he said, you have to call the doctor. Well, I called the doctor. They're, of course, gone. So then I'm on the nurse line and I'm like six in line. So it takes two hours for them to call oh me back. Gosh. So I had to leave the pharmacy, didn't get the tube. I go home. I'm just crying because I'm so exhausted and I'm pregnant. And it's just hard to be pregnant and can't, you can't breathe. <laughs> yeah. So I went home. And I'm, I'm finding I, it hard to I'm, I'm so sympathetic. Exactly. <laughs> I can't breathe hearing the story. Yeah, it's it's not good. And and of course, crying doesn't help, though, because then you're. <laughs> yeah, then you're hyperventilating. <laughs> you can't breathe yeah, anymore. Exactly. Yeah. But so anyway, so if I've, and also I'm not I'm not sleeping because I wake up. I have these like three hour coughing jags. And so, so like, it's I, just, just like compounded you, you by function. 10. Oh, it's wow. just horrible all around. So the next day, I called the um, the clinic that I was at and said, yes. look, can you guys please send this prescription over? They didn't get it. They don't have it. And they said, sure, we'll, we'll, we can do that later today. And I thought, oh, great. No, I'll just wait some more. And so wait. at the end of the workday, I called the pharmacy and they were like, is this a refill? What's going on? I said, no, it's not a refill. I've never used this before. Can you do you have it? Can you fill it? And they're like, we're waiting on the doctor. And I was like, what? What do you? She? What do you mean you're waiting on the doctor? They told me this morning they were calling it, and they said, no, no, she has to get permission from the insurance company because oh the, the insurance company has denied it. And so then I said, okay, so what? What do you need to give me this plastic tube? And they said, well, we need to know that that it's been okayed. And I said, how will you know that? And they said, well, I guess you have to call the insurance company. And get it okayed. And then just like to check, I said, if I were to buy this by myself, how much would this plastic tube cost? Because I'm thinking it's got, it's like, what, $2 or something? Right. $12. Right. So do you want to guess how much it is, this plastic tube? 160 Oh, that's too much. It's not that okay. <laughs> not quite that much. But it was sixty four dollars. Sixty four dollars. Sixty four dollars tube for a plastic tube. And I started laughing. Um, and she said, "Well, you know, we have we have these. You can come and get it." And I thought, sixty four dollars. This is nuts. So then um, I call the insurance company and I get this woman on the phone, and I said, "I'm calling to check about this prescription to see it's been uh, it needs it needs pre approval. Can you check on that for me?" And she's looking and she goes, "Well, when was this sent in?" Um, was it today? And I said, I don't, it could have been today. It could have been yesterday. And she said, well, it takes 72 hours to show up in our system. So I'm not even <laughs> seeing it. <laughs> oh my gosh. And I said, I really, because I, I, I need to breathe. I'm a pregnant person. I need to breathe. Is there a way to, to dig it up? And she said, you know, we really can't prioritize this. Um, so no, there's not a way to dig it up. And now I'm just kind of losing it. And oh. I, my like five year old is in the back seat, and I'm. We're always talking about what what you do when you don't get what you want, like mm-hmm. <laughs> what are the choices, yeah, right? how you behave. <laughs> and so I'm I'm talking to this woman, and I said, I I get I get that this is your job, and I know you can't change it, and I want you to go home, and I want you to have a really good night tonight. I want you to have a nice dinner, <laughs> uh-huh. but I need but I need to I need to talk to you about this. I have to ask you a question. Have you ever been pregnant? And she kind of knows it's coming. <laughs> and she goes, no. And I said, well, I am 28 weeks pregnant and I am unable to breathe. And this is what you're telling me is I have to wait 72 hours before I can even find out if you will approve the plastic tube that will help deliver the medicine that will help me breathe. And then she said something about the med. Well, we can't. We have to something about we can't approve the medicine or something. And I said, no, no, you are. You approve the medicine. 
you gave me the medicine, but I don't have the plastic tube that gets the medicine to my body so that it can breathe. And she said, I'm really sorry. I'd like to help. And I I said, I I understand. I, I know that you can't change this. But I just need to say out loud to another human being that this is insane. (laughs) And then I started crying. And I said, I just can't even talk anymore. And I hung up (laughs) because I couldn't function. And then the next day, she called me. um, And I picked up the phone. It was an unusual number. And I picked it up. And she said, you know, is Larissa there? I said, this is. And she said, well, this is Kelsey from whatever insurance company she worked at. Yeah. And she said, we talked yesterday. And I, and I said, oh, that was you. I, I'm so sorry. I hope you had a good dinner last night. I just, <laughs> I just felt, I just know how it is when someone crabs at you and it's yeah. not, you know, it's not your fault. Anyway, um, she said, well, after we talked, I went and looked up your file and we, um, we didn't approve it, but I pushed it through. And if you call the pharmacy today, you should be able to get it. Oh, wow. Bravo. So. Yeah, it was amazing because she didn't have to do that. And I just said, I'm, I'm so grateful you did that. I know I know you didn't have to. Thank you so much for doing that. So now, okay, so that was Thursday. So I got it, you know, Tuesday night I went to the clinic and then Thursday I got the inhaler. And it Ugh. totally changed my world around. It made and, the inhaler um, work, right. Mm-hmm. It made the inhaler work. And then I could breathe and it was amazing. And um, <laughs> so now now I'm just trying to sort out how to thank her. <laughs> I, was, I was trying to figure out, do I, do I call her or do I write her something? And then I I just landed on, I was talking to my uh, midwife about it, and she said, oh, you should definitely write it because then she can have it in her file yep. or she can show it to someone. But then oh, I was yeah. thinking, I want to make sure I write it so that I don't make it look like she totally circumvented, the, <laughs> like broke the rules or something. <laughs> no, no, I'm sure but, she did. I, I'm sure she she found the loophole that let it happen so that she could, you know, not lose her job or anything over it. But and I think, thank yeah. her so much for that human connection. Yeah, I, I just, I think it is rare for that to happen. And I'm so grateful that she did that. I, and I certainly did not expect it. And I actually turned to my son after that. I hung up on that phone call and I was crying. And I said, see, I'm not getting what I want right now. And I can't change it. So I just need to take a breath. <laughs> Good <and> learning accept <laughs> it. And he goes, but it looks like you're crying. <laughs> I said, well, I'm crying and that's okay. But it's, I still can't change it. But right. she, she called and that was, I'm just amazed by that. So. You know, it is, it is that good etiquette of someone taking their job and the responsibility of their job and not just saying, my job ends here, but saying, you know what? There's a way that I can look further into this and help somebody out. And I think that well, that's exactly the kind of salute that we are looking for. And you think about how many times she must get crabbed at on the oh phone. Oh, my gosh. So many. <laughs> All day. She, and, and bravo yeah. to you for keeping your composure and being that model Wishing parent her a good for dinner. I loved that part. Making that human connection. <laughs> you know, like, I hope yeah. you had a good dinner. And no, I didn't yeah. stop thinking about that. I really did hope you had a good dinner the next day. I love that part of the story. Yeah. I was just imagining her going home and telling her person, whoever was there, like, Oh, I had such a crappy day. This person called and was such a rude person. And I just, I didn't want her to have that story. No. And that's so. often what I wish people would, would think about when it comes to calling up customer service. I mean, we all have our bad days and, and sometimes, unfortunately, you take it off out on that person that you can't see, but you're talking to. Yeah. And I think, you know, props to you also for not doing that to someone when you really probably had quite a lot of clout to do it. Well, I'm just thankful. I'm just so thankful about the whole thing because now I just have a 
regular cold. You can breathe. I can breathe. And the baby's getting air. And by the way, congratulations on your pregnancy. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you for sharing your story with us and for for bringing a little bit of humanity to that that large insurance and medical complex that can seem so daunting but so important in all of our lives. Very happy to do it. Thank you for shining a light on these really good people. (laughs) Awesome. Thanks, Larissa. Take care. Cheers. Be well. You too. (laughs) Bye-bye. Well, now, wasn't that better? Look at the effect of a little politeness. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks for listening. You can send your questions, etiquette salutes, or suggestions for the show to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. We also like praise. Anytime you want to send us praise at awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com, we are always happy about that. You can find us on Facebook at the Emily Post Institute page or on Twitter. I'm Daniel underscore Post. And I'm Lizzie A. Post. And you can also reach us by email at awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and please leave us a review. We love to hear your thoughts. Our theme music was composed and performed by Bob Wagner. Awesome Etiquette is produced in collaboration with Vermont Public Radio. This is Awesome Etiquette, part of the Infinite Guest Network from American Public Media. The Infinite Guest Network has all kinds of podcasts for you to listen to, including A Tiny Sense of Accomplishment, where our guest this week, Jess Walter, and his friend and author, Sherman Alexi, read unpublished stories and talk to all sorts of people about what they are working on. Learn more at infiniteguest.org.